Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Chris Fedor. And we are on the heels of the NBA draft. We talked a lot about Isaac Okoro. Um, he has joined the Cleveland Cavaliers. He's in the building. He's working out. He was with Colin Sexton. He's had his uh, introductory pre- press conference. But I think it would be remiss for us to start this podcast with anything other than discussing the departure of beloved Cavalier, nine-year veteran for the Cleveland Cavaliers, Mr. Tristan Thompson, heading to the Boston Celtics on a two-year deal. Um, there's been a lot of you know tributes pouring out for Tristan and thank yous and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think we'll get into, you know, the general Cavaliers and, and their, you know, free agency right now or soon. But I wanted to just go, Chris, right off the rip with this because I think it's, you know, really significant. Tristan's contributions to the Cavaliers. We talked a lot about, you know, maybe he would come back for a year, but I think he ended up getting the best deal um, that he could po- possibly get with Boston. And uh, and I think it was probably the right move for him to make at this point in his career to go there. Yeah, I mean, I think so, too. It was clear that um, Tristan was hoping that one of these contending teams that had the full mid-level exception would be interested in him. Um, I believe, based on my reporting, that the four to watch primarily were the Lakers, the Clippers, the Celtics, and the Toronto Raptors. Um, But I had been hearing that Toronto wasn't as much an option because they're not playing in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So it's not like he'd be going home and there would be that whole homecoming angle. Um, the other thing is, um, based on what I've heard, Tristan had been telling teammates for quite some time wasn't all that appealing to him, or at least as appealing to to him as uh, writers and, and media members were, were making it seem. Um, now, they were still a contending team that needed a backup center, um, and that probably would have had to be in consideration for somebody like Tristan. Um, But the four that always made the most sense, like I said, were Boston, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, and Toronto, if they were willing to give him the full mid-level exception. You know, the Lakers went a different way. They decided to go with Montrez Harrell. At that point, it seemed like the Clippers were a real possibility for Tristan. He's got a relationship with Ty Lue. They had a hole at center. They ultimately filled it with Serge Ibaka, who is really, really close with uh, Kawhi Leonard. And, of course, um, I would think for most people, Serge was a little bit higher on the ranking list of big men than Tristan. Yeah. Slightly. Um, So that made sense for the Clippers. And Boston got pulverized in the Eastern Conference playoffs by Bam Adebayo, and they weren't big enough. They weren't strong enough. And they gave Tristan the kind of offer that the Cavs weren't willing to give. Um, there was there was optimism from the Cavs internally early Saturday morning with some of the Tristan suitors dropping off and Boston being linked to Paul Millsap in free agency. But when Millsap decided that he was going to go to Denver instead of Boston, that created a little bit more sense of urgency for Boston um, to go and get Tristan, and they got it done. Yeah, just it seemed like a, a great deal for Tristan. I mean, with everything that, you know, as you mentioned with all those teams, it just seemed perfect. It really did. It seemed like it was the perfect yeah. um, fit, the perfect, you know, money for him. I mean, I do. I am waiting. I mean, obviously, I don't I don't think the deal has been officially reported by the Celtics. No, no, no not yet. A lot of these things are going to come, yeah. but there's an order that you have to go in with certain signings, especially – when you're a team like the Celtics that has a roster crunch and a cap crunch, 
yeah. there's a specific order that has to take place. So it'll probably be a little while. Yeah, certainly. And Tristan is definitely like on social media has has uh, yes. been posting a lot about a lot about all the, the shamrocks on social media. For all Tristan. the shamrocks <laughs> from everywhere. Um, and I assume I, I'm waiting for the for the um, the thank you letter note whatever to Cleveland. I'm sure it's coming. Um, having been here for nine years, you know Tristan seems like the kind of guy that would thank the city for just everything that you know they with, with with Cleveland and Tristan it's been 9 years of ups and downs but it's been you know it's been consistent it really has i mean Tristan's been there he's been he's played for you know a large majority of the time he's been in Cleveland he has the franchise record for most consecutive games played he's up there on a bunch of lists as we mentioned maybe that would have been a tie to come back to Cleveland to keep climbing those lists and you know we know we know the Cavaliers really value him and we know the fans really value him so i'm assuming that there'll be a nice little uh Nice little thank you from Tristan, maybe. You know, you never know, but I would assume that that would be the case coming soon. I mean, I want to say, so yes, the Cavs valued Tristan, um, but there was a limit to where they were willing to go. Sure. See, that's the thing. When it comes to basketball, right, every team has to attach a value to a certain player. And it was clear that the Los Angeles Lakers attached a value to Montrez Harrell that was a little bit better than Tristan Thompson, right? And maybe that uh, yeah. view was the same way from the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, the Celtics valued Tristan Thompson in a different kind of way, right? They're a team that has championship aspirations. They feel like they absolutely needed a big guy. There wasn't anybody else that they felt um, spending the mid-level exception on made sense for them. So they attached a $19 million uh, over two-year type value to Tristan. Um, the Cavs did not have that same kind of value to him. Like, that's the truth. Like, their offer was lower. Um, they were hesitant to go for the full mid-level exception. They were hesitant to go multiple years, especially for a guy who, here in Cleveland, while valuable, both on and off the floor, was going to be the backup center to Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. You know, in Boston, Tristan could, emphasis on could, by mid-season or the end of the season, become the starting center for Boston, and he's got vast playoff experience that they desperately need in that organization. Um, But the situation in Boston is obviously different than the situation here in Cleveland, and they they just weren't able to, they just weren't willing, let's say, to go uh, with an offer as high as what Boston did. I mean, Brian, you know, Brian on our podcast, he was saying that it was possible that Tristan settled for the minimum. You know, if, if Boston didn't give him that offer that they did, like he might have been looking at, at a minimum type deal. Um, yep. Because really Boston was that one to watch from the very beginning. Um, they had the full mid-level exception and they had the need. And it was a good match for them. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, as he mentioned, the Cavaliers and as you just mentioned, the Cavaliers probably weren't, you know, willing to do multi years, probably weren't willing to go that high. It just, you know, Boston's in a very different situation. And and I think Tristan, you know, knew that with, you know, they're they're competing. It just it made sense. It really did. I mean, you know, for Cavs fans, it's unfortunate. A lot of Cavs fans, you know, had uh, really enjoyed Tristan Thompson. Yep. And you know what he brought to the franchise, and the Cavaliers obviously really enjoyed Tristan Thompson. What he, I mean, what he brought to the franchise. But sometimes, you know, there are situations that are just better for a certain guy, and uh, that seems to be exactly the case for Tristan Thompson, who's on his way to Boston. Um, I brought, <laughs> I brought this up on social media multiple times. 
and we've talked about this, but now we got to talk about it again because it's a different set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. So I put on my tweet where, you know, <laughs> after you after you reported that Tristan Thompson was going to Boston, um, I said, you know, best of luck to Tristan, you know, class act, you know, important part for the Cavaliers, whatever. I, th I don't even remember what I said. But then I said, actually, you know what, let's just pull it up. We have the Internet for a reason, right? Let's pull it up. Um, the tweet that I sent out was, and this we got to go all the way back. Um, let's see. I mean, it okay. seemed like it was in response to what Larry Nance Jr. told me via text, right? Tristan Thompson's tenure in Cleveland appears finished for the meantime. Number 13 should end up in the Raptors one day. Period. Hashtag Cavs. That was met with quite the significant blowback. <laughs> what? What are you talking about? No way. What? Tristan Thompson, number 13 of the Raptors? Absolutely not. Here, I'll read you some of the response. No way. Haha, -ha with the laughing faces. What? Raptors, are you kidding me? This was the best response I got, by the way. This says, if it says West on the back, that's a great response. Delonte West, number 13. Um, watching the game, dude soft. Lucky LeBron helped get him paid. Um, I don't agree. This is a joke. Uh, man, stop. No, just stop it. Agree to disagree. No, no, nah, no, no. <laughs> Just a bunch of no's. So, I mean, it was, I don't think, I, and then, I, then subsequently the next morning, I was like, wow, I got a lot of blowback. So I was like, let me put up a little poll here. And the yeah. poll was about 52 to 48 in favor of Tristan not being in the rafters. So the, the question is, if, if he doesn't belong in the rafters, why? Or does he belong in the rafters? I mean, wh where are we, where are we kind of in the minority on this one? I don't know. It's hard to get in the mind of Cavs fans sometimes. Yeah. But to me, yes, his jersey deserves to be up there. Of course. He was known for his passion, his toughness, his reliability. And he had a huge impact on the organization. And I right. think that's what is, is supposed to be the determining factor on whether somebody has their jersey up there. On top of that, like you can measure the kind of impact that he had on this organization. You can look at the consecutive record that he holds for franchise games played, 477 in a row, right? You can look at where he ranks in the top 10 in games played where he's seventh, offensive rebounds second, total rebounds third, field goal percentage, minutes, blocks, all of those things. Um, to have somebody who had the impact on the organization like that, who spent the first nine years of his career with the organization being reliable, being consistent after being the fourth pick and then helping the organization to its lone championship. Um, and on top of where he stands in the top 10 in a lot of these categories, to me, it's a no brainer. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's, that's what I thought, which is why I was like, okay, you know, obviously he's, now you said Larry Nance Jr., you talked to Larry Nance Jr., and he said the same thing. Yes. I mean, that was the first thing that he said. I texted him um, to see if I could get his thoughts on what Tristan meant and what he felt about Tristan um, agreeing to a deal with somebody else, and, and that's what he sent me back. And I was surprised. I didn't know what he was going to send me, um, and that's what he sent me. And I started thinking about it more, right? Because that's not what I was thinking about. I was thinking about, okay, how did the Cavs replace him? Um, what other centers are available in free agency that they could go after? I wasn't even thinking about, all right, let's do 
some kind of tribute to Tristan or let's reflect on the career that he had and, and talk about where he stands. But I mean, Larry Nance Sr. is up there in the rafters. I'm not taking anything away from him. Right. But his numbers are very, very similar when it comes to Tristan Thompson. His rankings are very similar. Um, I mean, you talk about Nate Thurman's best uh, his <laughs> his best it. his best moments throughout the course of his career happened in Golden State. They weren't here with the Cavs, so I don't know why people have taken the stance that they're trying to take when it comes to Tristan. Um, I, I think maybe with more time, they'll recognize the kind of impact that he had both on the team, on the court, and on the organization behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, Nate, that that's, again, I think this is more of a semantics argument because when you look at the Cavaliers and the Rafters, I mean, Nate Thurman played two seasons in Cleveland, <laughs> averaged five points and six rebounds and one and a half blocks in 114 right. games. And he's in the ra- like, everybody's, oh, Tristan didn't do enough. He, he was, he only averaged less than 10 points and less than 10 rebounds. I, I mean, five points and six rebounds. I mean, what are we talking about? I think right. obviously you look at Tristan Thompson, Bingo Smith averaged 13 and four in 720 games in 10 years. I mean, it's not. I think the problem is that the Cavaliers, unfortunately, don't have such a storied history to where you know they're going to have a bunch of amazing players in the Raptors. I mean, right now the best player in the Raptors, arguably Mark Price, four-time All-Star, um, arguably Larry Nance, Larry Nance Senior, you know, averaged sixteen and seven in eight years. I mean, but right now Tristan Thompson is has more years in Cleveland than uh, than Larry Nance. Then as many as Mark Price, as many as Austin Carr, as and more than Brad Doherty. Like he's been there longer. He played in more consecutive games than anybody in Cleveland Cavaliers history. Like I just don't even see why it's a question why he would be in the Rafters. I mean, again, this isn't the Los Angeles Lakers. They don't have right. a million amazing players in the it's Raptors. Not the Boston Celtics. Right. This is the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think he absolutely deserves to have his pot in the Raptors. Right, and that's. That's what I was thinking, too. And I've had this conversation with people inside the organization as well, Hayden. And um, the the criteria has been set. And if people right. want to argue about it um, and say that maybe some guys are up there that shouldn't be up there, okay, you can have that argument. But the criteria has been set. Those guys are up there. They're not coming down. So... Right. All of the other guys that have played after the ones that are up there already are going to be judged on the same criteria. So if you have some of the guys up there that you do, and you have a guy here in Tristan whose numbers are very, very comparable, whose numbers match what you're looking for to put a jersey up in the rafters based on the criteria that you outlined, how do you turn your back on him? How do you say no? I mean... I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know what. Like, I mean, I, I get it. Like, if you're thinking from another team standpoint, but this is the Cavaliers. He won a championship. He's been here for nine years. I mean, it's just that's a no-brainer. I would even even when just talking about it right now. I mean, obviously, I think Kyrie deserves to be on 100. Yes. But yes. I think you could even have Tristan Thompson as a with a better case than Kyrie. No, you can't. But no, you can't. But I mean, no, you, you can't. can't. You can't. But. You can't. <laughs> if we're talking about all this like hullabaloo and this this garbage about you know oh well you know 
all these different these different factors that should factor in. Well, right. the Kyrie you could factor in the way that he left. You could factor in the fact that he yeah. doesn't want to ever play in Cleveland when he's you know as an away as an opponent. And you can you know I think it's all dumb, but and you can factor in that he probably won't come back for his jersey. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, exactly. It's just. I mean, I'm kidding. I don't know if he would or not, but I mean, I could see him as being somebody who wouldn't, just right. knowing the kind of person that he is. Yeah. I don't. Know. Um, I mean that's that's the thing, right? If if you were to do blind resume, just blind resume, right? And say, all right, we've got this guy, spent nine years in his career, won a championship, played in six hundred nineteen regular season games, seventy eight in the postseason. Um, he ranks top ten in one, two, three, four, five. Six statistical categories, including rebounds and blocks. What would you say? You would say that guy belongs up there. Sure, absolutely. I mean, last time I checked, rebounding and blocks, those are two things that matter. You can't just look at points and say, oh, he was an offensive liability. Oh, he never averaged more than 13 points per game or whatever it was. You know, at some point, you do have to reward these guys who do other things on the court to impact. Like, that's a big part of the reason, yes, Larry Nance Sr. was a better scorer than Tristan Thompson while he was in Cleveland. But a big reason why he's up there is because of the defensive end of the floor, the kind of impact that he made there, the rebounding, the the defensive um, mentality that he brought to the court every single night. Like, those things have to matter throughout the course of history. You can't just have, like, your rafters uh, with all these like elite scorers or something right. like that and ignore the other components of the game. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't know. And I think there's got to be something too. like when I think of 13 on the Cleveland Cavaliers, I'm always going to think, I mean, Delonte West, sure. <laughs> but I think I'm always going to think uh, Tristan Thompson. Like that's yeah, and you're funny. And you're going to think heart, hustle, grit, professional. You know what I mean? Yeah. Reliable accountable yeah absolutely all those things like heart like yeah i'm gonna think iron man yeah you know i mean just as you said reliable just day in and day out and that's one thing that that's one thing that i i hearken back to lebron lebron would always say you know the most important thing is to be available that is the most important thing for your is to be available for your teammates and every single night more so than anyone else in that roster kyrie irving was hurt kevin love was hurt even LeBron at times is hurt, but Tristan Thompson was always there, always busting his butt, always on the floor, no matter if he was in pain or whatever. Yeah, I mean that's that's certainly there. There's there's value there. There's absolutely value there. Right. So and now, sure, he could have come back, Hayden, and he could yeah. have increased his chances by continuing to climb up the lists and maybe gotten higher on some of these categories. Um, but he's getting and paid then, more. He's going to a contender. Right. But ultimately, he got an offer from the Boston Celtics that would have been really, really difficult for anybody in his situation to turn down, especially in this kind of market. Right. Absolutely. So for the for the 52% of you that don't think Tristan Thompson's number belongs in the rafters, listen to this and then come back at us <laughs> and tell us, tell, us, tell us what we're missing here, um, because I just don't understand it. Yeah, uh, I mean, nobody's sitting here saying that he's a Hall of Famer. No. Right? Like, we're no. talking about Cleveland Cavaliers franchise history and where he belongs in their franchise. 
Right. And he probably is a Cavaliers Hall of Famer. You know, I mean, that's something to think about. So for that reason, yeah. But no, in the NBA in general, no, absolutely not. I don't think anybody's arguing that. Well, I that's think what that I'm saying. I think, yeah, and as you meant, right. But I think in general, there's a, I think that there's just a massive, I don't even know what you would call it, just a massive, like, discrepancy in what, like, people believes, like, n- believe when we're talking about getting numbers retired. Like, you know, some people believe that only, like, only Kobe Shaq, you know, Will Chamberlain <laughs> should be retired for the Lakers or something. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I meant. Sorry. Like, I don't know. It's just, it, 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 I just can't, I can't, I asked the question so many times because I was, I was waiting until I was proven right. And then I wasn't. And I was just like, what, <laughs> earth, what are these people, like, what are you looking for? Right. I don't, I can't, I, I can't understand it. Like, I think if you asked, if you asked everybody on that 2016 team, I think they would all say that he deserves to be on the, in the rafters. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, so I guess the opinions of those other 52 or 52% <laughs> of Twitter followers that I have are invalid. I think it was like nearly 3,000 votes. So probably like 1,500 of you, maybe like 1,700 of you yeah. are, uh, I, I just, I don't know. But the good news for the Cavaliers is that, you know, while Tristan Thompson is gone, and obviously that's a big loss for a lot of reasons, be it, you know, on the floor, off the floor, a leader, a veteran, a, a guy that's going to, you know, provide a good example. Um, the Cavaliers did find somewhat of a replacement um, and pretty quickly and maybe even better on the defensive end. Uh, last night, the Cavaliers came to an agreement with the Los Angeles Lakers to acquire center JaVale McGee, who Cavaliers fans know very well from his days in Golden State. Um, JaVale McGee comes to the Cavaliers and Chris, a lot of people were like, OK, like, what is this move doing? But I think I understand it pretty well. I mean, I think it's just kind of, you know, another defensive option for the Cavaliers um, at the center position and and kind of somebody maybe not completely replacing Tristan's um, productivity, but somebody who can maybe bring a little something different. Well, I think the other thing, Hayden, is that the centers remaining after Tristan Thompson um, agreed to a deal with Boston were either too inexperienced, too expensive wanted multiple years or didn't bring the same kinds of things that the Cavs were hoping for. You know, they went into this free agency with center on their wish list, pretty high up there. And Tristan was at the top of it, obviously. Um, But they attached a certain value to Tristan. They attached a certain value to some of these other free agent centers that got the full mid-level exception or multiple years or whatever the case would be. And, Um, ultimately they were looking for a veteran with playing experience because, you know, if they flip Andre Drummond here or at the deadline, whatever the case may be, um, they were like, Hey, we've got to improve this defense. We've got to get stronger in the front court. Um, Tristan Thompson was somebody who we could have penciled in and he would have been reliable, serviceable, a very good backup for Andre Drummond. Um, we needed somebody similar to that. And then this opportunity comes with the Lakers where they wanted to clear some salary cap space so that they could sign Marcus Gasol and the Cavs got a future draft pick. And they got JaVale McGee, who arguably, based on his contract, um, the fact that it's an expiring contract as well, and what he brings to the table, 
is better than anything that the Cavs could have signed in free agency after Tristan decided to go to Boston. So I, I don't understand where the confusion comes from on this type deal from people. Well, I mean, I think that I think that when you look at it from a like a just just Javale being Javale thing, you know, I think there's okay. a there's a connotation of Javale being the you know kind of goofy and you know not always the best player and kind of just you know I don't even know what the right term would be. Um, I think goofy. I think goofy is the perfect term. Just the kind of goofy player that he is. I think Cavs fans kind of have a bad taste in their mouth. But, again, that, that was a part of a championship team. He's played well for de- multiple championship teams, and he's been a big part of them. So I think he brings something. He brings at least some veteran leadership and um, an ability to play in big moments. So uh, if nothing else, like I said, defensively he can help you out. And um, maybe he can you know, be somebody to push some of these younger guys. But, again, Jordan Bell goes to – uh, the Lakers in that deal. I was kind of interested in that because the Cavaliers obviously picked up Jordan Bell. I thought they were going to yeah. give him a shot. Um, Alphonso McKinney as well, but Alphonso McKinney goes to the Lakers in that deal too. So Look, I was it wasn't ideal. In that. Say it again. I mean, it wasn't ideal. The Cavs didn't want to include those guys. If the Cavs yeah. could, they would have liked to keep both Alphonso McKinney and Jordan Bell. They liked yeah. both of them. But the problem is they had a trade exception from a Jordan Clarkson trade that was only worth $3.9 million. So they couldn't take JaVale McGee using the trade exception. They had to use Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney um, to make the salaries match a little bit better because McGee makes 4.2 this upcoming season. The other thing is like the contracts that um, both Bell and McKinney have, like that's why the Lakers reached out to the Cavs. The Lakers were searching around contracts that were non-guaranteed that they could do some things with in terms of salary cap that could allow them uh, to sign Mark Gasol to the kind of deal that they want to sign him to. And the Cavs had two of them that they could combine to make it work. Again, in a perfect world, the Cavs would have kept Jordan Bell and taken a flyer on him and continued the development of Alfonso McKinney. Um, But it's not a perfect world, and they didn't have an avenue uh, to get JaVale without using those guys. And JaVale, if he stays, is going to be the backup to Andre Drummond, who is a very good, uh, JaVale being a very good rim protector. The Cavs ranked last in blocks. They were last in defensive efficiency. Everybody knows that. He's a veteran. So you know um, that if he has to start, he can start if something happens with Drummond. Um, and on top of that, if, if they decide to go a different direction, he becomes a potentially valuable trade chip because he has an expiring contract and he's a cheap startable center for somebody um, with a very, very team friendly contract. Um, And because of that, I think the Cavs maybe possibly could get a draft pick out of this eventually. And that would be the value that they would ultimately be looking for, um, you know, with this team kind of up and coming. It does make for an interesting situation though. I mean, you know, when you look at the Cavaliers and their big guys now, there's some age back there. <laughs> oh, sure. You got Kevin Love, you got Andre Drummond, you got JaVale McGee. You know, Larry Nance is probably one of the younger ones. I mean, you know, they got there's some age. Yeah, but who cares? Because, like, the way that they're looking at it is centers are the most accessible commodity, depending on what it is you're actually looking for. That's I mean, how point. many centers were available in free agency this year? Now, they That's went quick. Point. They definitely went quick, but there were a bunch of them. 
And, you know, the Cavs looked at a bunch. They talked about Harry Giles internally. They talked about Aaron Baines internally. Um, They talked about a lot of these guys internally. But ultimately, when Tristan chose Boston and they were looking at the, the potential replacements for Tristan, like there was nothing that appealed to them. Outside of Javel McGee. Yeah, I mean, like, who are you going to sign? You're going to sign Alex Len? You want to give $7 million over two years to Aaron Baines? Yeah. Like, to be the backup to Andre Drummond? So, I mean, I... There was a time in my life where I would have very much liked Alex Len. (laughs) I would have loved Alex Len. Sure. I I think it was probably that, before that draft, I loved Alex Len. Okay. I thought he was going to be, like, the next, either, like, a Dirk or a, you know, I'm trying to think of another, maybe, like, even a big Z, yeah. like a big body could shoot. Did not work out that way. <laughs> yeah. So, nowadays, yes, I would tend to tend to agree that I think JaVale, for the money and for, you know, what he brings is probably the best option for the Cavaliers. I think defense, you know, we talk a lot about defense and and this, you know, we've talked a lot about Isaac Coro and, he's, and his defense you know, I think JaVale McGee brings some more defense, and maybe that's the real step that this direction or the real step that this team wanted to take. They knew how bad they were defensively last year. They knew they had to fix that, and they couldn't just do it from internally, which they're, you know, they're doing a lot of things internally because they don't have a lot of money to spend. Um, so I think that this was something that where they said, okay, if we're going to change the, our defensive culture, we got to bring in some some different pieces here, and I think that JaVale McGee kind of fits that. Well, sure. I think there's some of that, but I think the other thing, Hayden, is – one of the reasons why they were looking for a veteran uh, with playing experience that could be more reliable than, say, somebody like Harry Giles, who can't stay healthy and can't stay out of foul trouble and doesn't have a lot of playing experience in the NBA, is because it's not like they have a young developmental big that JaVale McGee and Andre Drummond are taking playing time and development opportunities away from. Yep. And that was something that hung over free agency going into this offseason. You know, so many people are just like looking at the relative inactivity of the Cavs and they're wondering what's going on. They have the mid-level exception, da 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 um, From the very beginning, we talked about this. Hey, they did not have a lot of playing time available to a prospective free agent. No. And what I mean by that is their top eight in this rotation – are pretty much set. And yep. if they were going to bring in, let's just throw some names out there, you know, Derek Jones Jr., yep. Josh Jackson, um, who else could we throw in there? Uh, who's another? Pat Connaughton, I guess, is another name that you would hear. Um, anybody that they were going to bring in that realm, uh, number one, wasn't going to get big minutes. And number two, they didn't want that person taking away playing time and development from some of their young guys. They had to ask themselves, like, is the guy that we bring in that much better for us? Does he make us that much better that we can justify taking playing time away from Kevin Porter Jr. or taking playing time away from Isaac Okoro or Colin Sexton? Does the guy that we want to bring in even crack our eight-man rotation. And that's what was working against them with a lot of these different guys. A lot of these agents, a lot of these players understood the situation that the Cavs were in. 
I mean, think about it. Think about their depth chart. I mean, one through eight is basically set. Garland, yeah. Sexton, Okoro, or Jetty, whoever you want to say. Or Kevin Winner. Love, Andre Drummond, Larry Nance Jr., the other one between Okoro, Osman, Windler, Exum. There's nine right there. Yeah. Yep. So what they were looking for, basically, if they could get a significant difference maker, um, either in free agency or a trade, uh, they were going to explore it. Of course, they have to. They have to try and get better. Um, and I didn't even say Kevin Porter Jr., by the way, so that's 10. Um, so really what they were looking for from the very beginning, Hayden, was just let's round out this roster with depth pieces and other components that aren't going to affect us moving forward in 21, 22, 23, things like that. In regards to, I mean, you know, the Cavaliers pro- now, especially, I don't think there's anything else to be done in free agency, especially with, and we can there's talk one. about this. Well, yeah, we saw Damian Dotson. No, I mean, there's one move that would be a glaring need for them, I think, at this point in time. The roster's at 13. Yeah. Right? They still have money to spend. Um, if you look at the makeup of the roster, backup point guard is the one that would make the most sense. Right. Del- and Delhi is certainly an option there. Of course. Has yeah. to be. Right. And that's. I think that's where I was go- I was thinking about. I was just about to ask you about Delhi in regards to Damian Dotson. Um so honestly, I did not know much of anything about. I still don't know much of anything about Damian Dotson, but um, I mean, just uh, just a depth piece with with yes. the you know with the Cavs guards. I mean, oh, he's twenty six, so maybe a little bit of a veteran. Um, it seems what it is to me. Look, he's got starting experience over three years with the New York Knicks, but he's also twenty six years old, and there might be some developmental opportunities that take place for him too. Um, two years ago, he averaged double figures in scoring. He had a career year, and then all of a sudden, the Knicks draft R.J. Barrett with the third overall pick. They remake their backcourt, and Dotson falls out of the rotation. Um, the Knicks had an opportunity to extend him a qualifying offer at the beginning of free agency, make him a restricted free agent. They chose not to, so the Cavs got a cheap depth piece at the guard spot, which was relatively thin for them. Um, Look, we talked about Kevin Porter Jr. on the last podcast. I've written about Kevin Porter Jr. This is insurance for somebody like KPJ. And at the same time, it's depth in the backcourt, which could potentially allow somebody like Dante Exum to serve as a backup point guard in certain opportunities, maybe Colin Sexton to play some more backup point guard at times, depending on what lineups J.B. Bickerstaff wants to throw out there. So, you know, after the JaVale McGee addition, um, it seemed like both guard spots were probably logical for the Cavs to look for help at. And they got one of them with Dotson, the shooting guard. Now I still think they need to look for another point guard if it's not Delhi. I mean, what is the update on Delhi? Is there any update on Delhi? No, there's nothing. I mean, look, it's scraping the bottom of the barrel, I think, when you talk about some of the free agent point guards that are remaining at this point. Yeah. Uh, you've got Yogi Ferrell, you've got Emmanuel Moutier, Delhi is in that mix too. You know, somebody who, yes, they can be a backup, but you would probably rather that guy be your third point guard as opposed to your backup point guard. Right. So I think that's kind of the situation um, that Delhi is in, and I think that's the situation that all these 
all these point guards that are still available on the market are looking at. So, I mean, so all things considered right now, your backup point guard is Dante Exum. Yeah, I think so. And then Damian Dotson's kind of your third guard at the moment. Or no, with KB, without KBJ. So probably your fourth or fifth guard at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the third shooting guard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just looking through the. I'm like, I'm, I'm writing down the roster to see where we're at, just to give us a little sense, because I'm, you know, there's, I, I, I'm very, I have, always, I have, I have, I have kind of an OCD mind. I like to keep things like organized. So yeah. I'm looking through the roster right now. Okay, so you got Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac Coro, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, Dante Exum, Damian Dotson, Jetty Osman. Um, Larry Nance Jr. And then you got, uh, obviously, JaVale McGee. Okay, and then you got Kevin Porter Jr., which is, I mean, he probably, you know, he'll be up there. He'll be playing. Uh, yeah. Dylan Windler. Um, so that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Who am I missing? Uh, Dean Wade. Dean Wade. Yes, Dean Wade. Yeah, he's D Wade, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably your 15th guy, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Right now he's 13. 13th, yeah. Okay, so from there, you gotta add a um add a back or a third string point guard, which would probably it. be Delhi or somewhere around there. Right, that's it. And then you have another, yeah. I don't I don't think they're gonna carry 15 into the season. They no. rarely do. Um, it just gives them more financial flexibility and more roster flexibility to go into the season with 14. Now, look, if there's somebody who really stands out to them and, and he becomes the 15th guy, they're not going to turn their back on that. But the sense that I get is the plan right now is to go in with 14 instead of 15. Which, yeah, as you said, a lot of flexibility there. It makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, we talked about, you know, we talked about improving this roster. I mean, you know, it's going to be a lot of internal. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of internal. And that's how it was going to be from the very beginning, right. Hayden. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's say they gave the full mid-level exception to Derek Jones Jr., which is right. what was required for him to sign with Portland. Right. How comfortable do you feel as as him as your starting small forward? I mean, I mean seriously. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably rather have a Coro or somebody that I can develop. Right. Or even and that's what they were looking at. And I would agree with that. Yeah. So you draft a Coro, and then it doesn't make sense to go that direction with a full mid-level for a player like that, who right. a lot of these guys are fringe guys. Yeah, you could make an argument that they should start, right? You could yeah. make an argument that they should, but... I mean, I don't know. I just didn't think it made a whole lot of sense for them to go that particular direction. No, you're Especially right. if it meant taking opportunities away from Okoro and Dylan Windler. Dylan's going to need time. He's going to yeah. need playing time this year. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at this roster, and so they pretty much have one move left to make, as you said. But other than that, I mean, do you think... Do you think they're done for until, you know, until training camp starts? I mean, outside of getting that maybe Delhi back or, or one of those guys you mentioned, Yogi Ferrell, um, 
I mean, do you foresee a move for Drummond? Do you foresee a move for Love? I mean, or is this going to just going to be where they enter into the season? I never have seen a move for either one of those guys. I believe they're going to continue to explore it. Yeah. I believe they're going to continue to look around and see what other moves could be made. Um, can they take back a bad salary and get a draft pick attached because they still have uh, – financial space below the luxury tax. I think that's something that they'll consider. Mm -hmm. um, if they get the right offer for somebody like Kevin, I think they would consider that. If they get the right offer for somebody like Andre Drummond, I think they would consider that. But I just don't know where that's going to come. Yeah. I get the sense that if those do come, it's probably more likely around the trade deadline. Same yeah, thing with McGee. Not. Look, could some team call them and say, hey, McGee is on a cheap contract. Um, we need a backup center more than you do. We'll make it worth your while. And then he becomes a trade piece. Sure, yeah. that could happen before training camp starts on December 1st. That could happen before tip-off on December 22nd. Absolutely. I think he's going to have value in that way. I think Drummond is going to have value. Um, it's just a question of, is it enough value coming back for the Cavs um, to move either one of those guys and then be staring at a hole at backup center or starting center the way that they were when all of this started. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I mean, you don't want to play Kevin Love big minutes at center. You can no. in certain lineups, obviously, but you right. don't want to do a big minutes. Same thing with Larry Nance Jr. You don't want to play him big minutes at center. He hates it. He's on right. record saying that he hates it. So. <laughs> So, you know, moving either Drummond or McGee would leave them with a hole at center. So yeah. I don't, I don't know that that is all that appealing unless, like I said, the value coming back is is worth it for the Cavs to go that direction. It always takes two to tango, Chris. It always yeah. takes two to tango. Absolutely. Two to tango is the way it goes in the world of sports. You can't just want somebody and, you know. And it just magically works out. I mean, yeah. I say all the time, well, why can't the Cavaliers trade for this person? Why can't the Cavaliers? Because it <laughs> takes two to tango. It's not as easy as it looks. Um, I mean, I think the next step, Hayden, for this organization is we, we talked about how 8, 9, 10, however deep you want to say the rotation is, whatever you're comfortable saying it is. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it right now, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaiah right. Cole, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond, Kevin Porter Jr., Larry Nance Jr., JaVale McGee, Jetty Osmond, Dylan Windler. Right. So that's that's ten, about 10. Right. So the rotation is set in their mind, in my mind. Right. The next step for this organization is improving the components within that rotation. Right. You know what I mean? Like getting more talent at certain spots. So if you have to sacrifice some depth in order to do that moving forward, then I think that's something that they should absolutely explore. Yeah. I mean, you know, when you look at when you look at it on paper, I mean, certainly it's not, you know, it's it's not blowing your mind, but I mean, it's not a horribly bad depth roster in terms of depth. I mean, you have Yes. Yeah, right. You have, you have some you have talent in Kevin Porter Jr. You have talent in Larry Nance Jr. You, you know, JaVale McGee gives you this veteran veteran presence who, you know, has some value. Jetty Osman has been a starter. He could still be a starter. Okoro could be out, coming off the bench. Wendler, we don't know what he is, but apparently if he can shoot the gym out of the shoot the ball out of the gym the way that they think, then that's gonna bring you value. I mean, Exum has been, you know, yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, he, he'll give you something. Right. So, I mean, it's not all that awful. But the well, problem the is, that, just, right. is the, the problem is that the ceiling is low. That's exactly right. They're missing the high-end talent that some of these other teams in the Eastern Conference have. And getting high-end talent is not easy. It usually takes either trades or free agency or through the draft, which is which is why it would benefit the Cavs greatly to have another high pick in next year's draft. And the players aren't going to want to hear that, and J.B. Bickerstaff's not going to want to hear that, and they're not going to say it. Right. But it would benefit them greatly in, in a draft that a lot of people have been looking forward to for a number of years that's supposed to have a lot of high-end talent. Like That could be their best route to getting that kind of piece that is currently missing from this roster. Again, Kevin Porter Jr. has the talent and the tools, I think, to be that kind of piece. Right. Right? Um, but but he's got to make better decisions, and he's got to grow up. Yes, he does. Absolutely. We've we talked about in the last. You know, we've we've actually had a bunch of podcasts because of all the things happening with the Cavaliers. And we talked about in the last one. You know, he's got to start making better decisions and, um, you know, making this organization more confident in him. Yep. Um, because obviously the talent we've we've seen the talent and we think seem to think that you know if he continues to go in the right direction, goodness knows how good he can be. Um, and I'll say this too, Hayden. I am not, I am not ruling out Colin Sexton taking another big leap this year, coming off uh, the way that he was playing post Jordan Clarkson trade, post John Beeline stepping down. Um, over the last few months of the regular season before coronavirus, Colin Sexton was one of the most productive players in the entire Eastern Conference. So I'm not ruling out him taking the next step and maybe him becoming you know, more of a foundation building block type than what outsiders view him right now. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, they could all take a – Darius Garland could take a big step. I mean – I mean, he not, would have to take a monstrous step from what he was as a rookie, if we're being honest, seriously. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we that's what we talked about with Brian is that, like, that's the hope for this organization is that these guys can take massive steps, is that, you know, if they want to be Portland, then then Colin Sexton develops and becomes a really good player and, and Darius Garland develops and becomes a really good player. And then, you know, then you start to piece together a team. But you got to see what you have first. And those guys aren't, you know, they're definitely not done developing. you got to continue to develop. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in the meantime, while that's happening, you add playable depth pieces around those guys, which is what the Cavs have done this offseason which is all they could do this offseason based on where they were financially. Now, look, 2021, the free agency class, it's a lot of people are looking forward to it. The Cavs are going to have financial flexibility. They're going to have trade assets, too. Um, You know, 2022, they're going to have financial flexibility and they're going to have trade assets. It's just even though it's clear that the Cavs want to make steps forward and they want to compete in the Eastern Conference. Um, this was never the offseason where they were going to push the go button. No. Right, the all-in button. This was not the offseason to do that for them. No. Um, now, other teams in the East have improved. If we're being honest, Atlanta is better, yep. way better, with some of the moves that they have made. But they entered the offseason as one of four teams, Hayden, with salary cap space. So the opportunity for them to significantly improve was there in a way that it wasn't for the Cavs. Um, the Charlotte Hornets entered this offseason with salary cap space oh as well. 
And they used it. <laughs> boy, did they oh, boy. use it. They took a huge risk on somebody like Gordon Hayward. Oh, um, so from a talent standpoint, maybe Charlotte has passed the Cavs, but I don't think it's a significant gap between the Cavs and the Hornets. Um, the Cavs aren't on the same level as the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference, but there's a play-in tournament coming this year that's extending it to 9-10, and 10, and the Cavs are a lot closer to 9-10 and 10 in the East that could make them competitive for one of those new final playoff spots, or at least a play-in spot in the tournament. That's very true. I mean, that <laughs> Gordon Hayward definitely... Oh, boy. Good luck with that. Definitely knew what he was doing when he when he declined that option. But, man, I mean, wow. Look, well, man. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I like him. Talented guy. Was playing well before coronavirus and an injury. But, who boy. It's a lot, oh boy. Of, a lot of cash. All right, over the last couple uh, weeks, just because of, um, you know, all the Cavs news, and this was an important one to do. Um, but I figure we can just kind of end it there. But I do want to get your I'll, – I'll give you a chance to to, to issue a uh, eulogy for the career of Tristan Thompson as a Cleveland Cavalier if you want to. And I don't like eulogizing it. Can I honor it instead? Uh, whatever. Yeah, isn't that the you, same thing? I mean, I guess, like, but a eulogy sounds so dark. Well, it's over. It's dead. It's done. You're ruling. <laughs> You're already ruling out the chances of of him coming back later in his career. You know what? Yeah, I'm sorry for the 2024. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize for the 2025, 2026 Cavaliers featuring Tristan Thompson, LeBron James, Bronny James, and uh, and whoever the hell else is there at the time. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll save it for that. You're right. I apologize. You can honor his career instead of eulogize it. We'll, yeah, I mean, we'll, he's... Keep, we'll keep the door cracked that far open for that possibility. I was going to say, he's not dead. <laughs> no. <laughs> not dead. Um, look, I mean, I think there's always something to be said, Hayden, for reliability and just knowing what you're going to get on a daily basis from a guy. And I don't mean from a stat standpoint, like, oh, you can pencil him in for 10 and 10 every single night. I mean in terms of effort, in terms of toughness, in terms of professionalism, in terms of just being the heartbeat of a team. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of value to that. I yep. think it's part of the reason why Boston, even though Tristan has some issues offensively, um, and even though he's not as switchable as he was in 2016 when he was such a force defensively for the Cavs throughout that postseason and championship run, um, even though he's lost a little bit, I think, on the defensive end, and he's not the quote-unquote rim protector that a lot of these teams are looking for, um, there's value to the intangible things that he brings to an organization. And I think that's why Boston was willing to pay him the full mid-level exception. Um so to me, that's how I'm going to remember his time with the Cavs. Uh, he was drafted fourth overall. Kyrie went first that year. I think at the time, there were a lot of fans that wanted Jonas Valanciunas that didn't yep. love the idea of Tristan Thompson. Yep. But Chris Grant, the general manager at the time, said, like, even if he doesn't make all-star games, he's not going to be a bust. 
And I think ultimately he showed the value of reliability and consistency on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. That's his value to me. Yeah. I mean, certainly. I think, as you mentioned, everything that I would say would be similar, just the amount of, you know, the amount of games where he probably didn't feel well, didn't feel his best and right. still went out there and gave it 100% and um, played through a ton of, you know, aches and pains and bumps and bruises and, um, you know, did the dirty work, never was glamorous, yeah. always, you know, grabbing rebounds and battling with guys in the paint. And he wasn't the most skilled guy. I mean, you know, <laughs> it worked really hard to, to become a, a relatively solid offensive player when they needed him to be, um, you know, worked just worked on his skill. I think that's one of the things that I'll take away is, you know, he had that natural ability to be that dirty player and to, and to, to be gritty and to, you know, just bring you. He was a Cleveland guy. He took his lunch pail to work every day. That's you what know. he said. He always said that lunch pail hard hat. That was what he uh, always went to his go to line. Right. You know, good Canadian kid. Went, went and got his lunch pail and his hard hat and his Timmy hose and, and brought it to uh, brought it to the arena every night. But in all seriousness, he worked. I'll give him credit. He worked really hard to, to, to develop some sort of Heard offensive it? game, like switching his hands and, and yeah. trying to develop an outside shot. He spent hours in the gym with Vitaly Potapenko and um, goodness knows the, the amount of you know shots he took and, and free throws he took and just spent a lot, a lot, a lot of time. So I got to give him a lot of credit. And I think he'll always end up one of the more undervalued Cavaliers of all time. But one day, that number 13 <laughs> will will, uh, will rise in those rafters. I'd be willing to bet on it. I mean, there are just so many things that he did that can't um, be measured fully in a box score. No. Like no. That defined his game. Screen setting, yeah. offensive rebounds, second chance opportunities how it deflated the opponent to feel like they had worked so hard to get a stop only to have Tristan gobble in an offensive rebound and silence the crowd, right? And and take away the spirit of a team. Yep, and give themselves another opportunity, you know? I remember so many times I was in Atlanta for those playoff series, and Tristan killed Atlanta. He always looked forward yes. to playing against Atlanta. He thought he was better than Paul Millsap, and he worked. Paul Millsap constantly in a lot of those series. And I just remember the audible gasps from the crowd every time Atlanta felt like they had gotten a stop. And there's Tristan going up over Horford and Millsap for an offensive rebound. And everyone's like, oh, God, now we got to stop this team again. You know what? I think Tristan Thompson, you know, I think those two especially were his biggest rivals. Like, Maybe well, maybe Valanciunas as well, but I mean, I think he looked it, at those guys and was like, "I'm better than you, and I'm going to prove it." And I think he did. I mean, you know, Valanciunas big... was up there. Tristan still remembers people talking about Valanciunas during the oh, pre-draft yeah. process, and Tristan maintains that he kicked the crap out of Valanciunas and a lot of these pre-draft workouts against the guy, and and could not understand how people were considering Valanciunas over him. So that was always one Hayden definitely that Tristan looked forward to playing against. There's no doubt about that. Well, I think that people just, I think that, I mean, you know, you get the offensive side of the game and it's not, it's not always, as you mentioned, it's not always easy to see what Tristan's value is. It's not an yeah. easy thing to just like watch in terms of a pre-draft workout. I mean, when you watch a game, when you watch a, a playoff right. game where Tristan Thompson is just bullying you and, and, you know, bodying you and grabbing rebounds and, and setting picks and, you know, just being a valuable member on the floor, just giving yeah. you effort and energy, then yeah, that's a little easier to watch. But you know, to do it in, to do it, you know, in a pre-draft workout, it just seems tough. 
And I would say that that is a good stance um, for people to recognize when it comes to Isaac Okoro. Yeah. I mean, as a rookie coming up, don't expect him to put up big numbers. But this is a guy who throughout the entire course of his basketball career, high school, Team USA, AAU, college, he always did things that impacted winning in a positive way. Look at you tying it all together. I love it. How about that? Put a bow on it. Just like that. Put a bow on it. I love it. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you haven't already, go check out Chris's subtext. Again, $3.99 a month with a two-week free trial, 14-day free trial, same thing. Um, you can find the link on this uh, page on the cleveland.com slash Cavs. Um, the, basically, just the, the the link to this podcast. You'll find it out down there. Just scroll past the podcast post, and you will see it. You'll see the opportunity to put your number in so you can sign up for Chris's insider analysis as we get ready for the start of the 2020-2021 Cavalier season. I can't believe it. We're almost – we're less than a month away from uh, from the beginning of this thing. It's Today is November 23rd, um, and then we will be watching Cavaliers basketball at the end of the month. So it's exciting times to get all your um, your practice info and everything that's going on from Cleveland Clinic Courts. Again, sign up for Chris's subtext. You should. Um, we'll be awaiting the one remaining Cavaliers move whenever it comes, unless there's more moves, but I think that's the one we should expect. But uh, until then, thank you so much for joining us. Chris, a pleasure as always. And best of luck to Tristan Thompson in Boston. And welcome, JaVale McGee. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. We will talk to you soon.